our oldest cat, around 21 years old, recently went blind. She's functioning well, taking this new challenge in stride. She has a certain meow when she's hungry, another when she wants affection, and another more like a hiss when she bumps into our very docile dog or another cat. She still finds her way to the kitty litter box. While watching this feline matriarch make her way in this newly formed reality, I observe the essentials that she makes sure are in place while gracefully navigating her world, trusting in a response from her unseen helpers. How do I nourish myself? How do I get the help I need? How do I take care of my body? How do I protect myself from danger? How do I find solace? These are concerns that any being addresses in its life. Humans, of course, we create more concerns. We can add with the human factor of consciousness and meaning-making, wondering about the purpose of our lives or the reasons things are as they are or the avenue toward wisdom and connection to the source of all being. Vulnerable in this vast cosmos, we look for ways to make sense of our existence and to feel the importance of being alive. This is where myth comes into most cultures. Myth, says renowned scholar Joseph Campbell, is a narrative of the spirit. They are clues, he offers, to the spiritual potentialities of the human life. In an interview with Bill Moyers in the late 20th century, Campbell explains, people say that what we're all seeking is a meaning for life. I don't think that's what we're really seeking. I think that what we're seeking is an experience of being alive so that our life experiences on the purely physical plane will have resonances within our own innermost being so that we actually feel the rapture of being alive. This reminds me of a favorite bit of wisdom that I have that's by uh, Howard Thurman. He says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what you need to come alive, because what the world needs is people to come alive. This intuitive understanding of living fully and deeply is why we tell each other stories of journey and discovery, of overcoming adversity and finding solace, of mysterious guidance and brave encounters, of honoring connections and braving transformation. Myths set cultures up with certain assumptions as to why things are as they are, not only in a particular context, but also revealing universal struggles and discoveries that resonate through t throughout time. One of the most common myths in any culture is the creation myth. How did this all get started, and where are we in the mix of things? In the beginning is a phrase that connects us to the unfolding of the cosmos, to all that ever was and ever will be in it. Somewhere in the story of existence, we arrive, and it is because of the myriad events that transpired that made us possible. And somehow we are a unique presence within it, though we share common impulses and patterns of being. 
We're part of the story of existence. We have a contribution to make simple in the authentic expression of our created being. To how life continues and is informed by our signature of being. It's also to, important to look at the cultural assumptions that are a part of the mythic narrative and how some assumptions may impede evolution even, may undermine our authentic expression, assumptions that may derail our efforts to come to a wiser place toward equanimity and freedom of being. Eve, for example, the first woman of Judeo-Christian mythology, has gotten a bad rap for centuries, which has translated into patriarchies that damage the health of our communities. Power grabs could be found in myths, as can fear-based assumptions about pain and death. And did you notice in the Blackfoot myth, the first one that I told, that the creator rested in the middle of his work, that it was part of the work? Our Judeo-Christian myth has God resting at the end of his work. What might that say about our addiction to work? That we're not allowed to rest until our work is done. We can find much about what we think is important and how we think we should spend our lives when we look at the narratives that speak of our beginnings. Myths can also provide companionship, encouragement, insight, and instruction for coping skills tools for life's journey, and the practice of awe and humility. Our gift of creation myths is that they get us back in touch with our physical being. They herald our connection to creation. They lift up our interaction with nature and the physical cosmos. Myths offer suggested clues at times on how to be in harmony with the cosmos. In this modern age with technologies that can further distance us from our connectedness, we suffer from blatant environmental crises, violence against the earth and each other, violence against our own bodies. As a human family, we do not yet honor our bodies as sacred, nor the earth as our sacred home, nor each other as part of what is sacred about us. Our nation alone is weary of the mass shootings. Over 200 in this year alone that has involved four or more killed or injured people in this nation alone, according to the New York Times. Our collective disregard for life is growing, as is aimlessness and hopelessness. Some of this is due to the lack of connectness, connectedness, to a lack of feeling of the rapture of being alive. With the emphasis toward ecology strengthening in our society, we have learned more about ecosystems and the delicate balance created by diverse life forms. At the UN climate talks engaged right now in France, scientists warn that earth warming will become increasingly difficult for humankind to survive. Rising sea levels will consume islands and coastal regions, and we will experience increasingly dangerous storm systems as well as debilitating droughts. The resistance toward a united front on this issue has to do most likely and in the foremost with economics.
but also with a denial of our connectedness to the system of being that we are in. There's also the magical thinking of a deus ex machina, some divine savior that will come and fix everything at some point. This is magical thinking that occurs when we take our myths literally instead of literature of the spirit. Full consciousness of our lives includes body knowledge, earth knowledge, nonverbal connections. Because of the mind-body split already given centuries of justification and sanction in Western society, we've generated a profound detachment from our bodily selves and from the earth, which is our origin. This detachment engenders fear, which manifests in tyrannies, abuse, denial, hopelessness, loneliness, cynicism, violence, and loss of faith. It becomes easier to destroy rather than create, to delude ourselves in thinking we're powerful when we strike things down rather than sensing our eternity when we build things up. The difference is power over gives momentary grandeur, a celebrated separateness, I just did something, a better than delusion, power over. But power with gives momentary understanding of our unity and our eternity, a resilient inclusion. Creation is about coming into one's own being as a part of an expanse of being that transcends space and time. We offer a note in the symphony of existence. We contribute a resonance to the swirl of becoming. Our choices make a difference, make impact, change lives in the vast one that is beyond our full making and knowing. In most creation myths, we are reminded that there always remains an element of mystery. In the beginning, most cultures image either a void, darkness, or emptiness, or waters without land, sort of primordial waters. This is a kind of no-thing time, a kind of nothingness time. And it's inexplicable. It doesn't have a beginning or an end. It just is there in the beginning of the beginning. Oftentimes, there's some sort of eruption in creation myths that brings new life from cracking through a primordial egg. And I read one where God vomits everything. You know, he's vomiting the trees, vomiting the people. You know. <laughs> Something emerges dramatically from the unformed existence. Most myths also have our world formed in stages, which is an intuition of the principle that we come about things incrementally that one thing builds on another. And the mystery of adversity is explained in myriad ways. Our vulnerability is acknowledged, even felt as a curse or a spell that keeps us combative or distanced from our well-being. At times, the creators themselves experience mystery, as if another principle of being occurs outside even their realm. Remember the old man in this morning's myth, Blackfoot myth, saw humans came back and saw that the humans somehow changed. Like, oh, isn't that interesting? The spell of the white heron in the Tahitian myth brings about a sense of helplessness even amongst the gods. 
Mystery remains in our narratives of the spirit. The more we try and explain the miracle of our being, the more we realize we cannot know its full story. I was at a minister's meeting this last week. Uh, We did a a little Christmas Eve service for the ministers (laughs) because we always lead the Christmas Eve services. So uh, we did one for for each other. And uh, one colleague shared with me, which I'm sharing with you because I think it's a great idea, um, that every year uh, she tells her children the story of their birth as, you know, a celebration of birth. We celebrate Jesus' birth when, if we celebrate Christmas well. She also tells the story in sort of a mythic form of their birth every year to remind them that the birth of, of a being is, has full of potential and is, has, is full of love and, and hope and peace. So I wanted to share with you a reflection that I wrote once that's a little reminiscent of an origin story. An extraordinary thing happened one day not too long ago. Out of the primordial ooze, out of the ancient everything, you were born. You took a breath and claimed this life. You became a unique and blessed gesture of creation to live and move and have being. The chance of your birth was so rare that it boggles the mind. The sperm-egg combination that came to be you had a chance of 1 to 10 or 15 million. And of course, the chance of your mother or father being born was equally small, extending back through your ancestors, making the possibility of you so rare that it cannot be measured. You arrived. You arrived with a particular body and way of being, immediately met with stimuli from the world. And so you began your journey of feeling and experience, thought and understanding, being taught what your world was, being taught what your world was teaching you and navigating what your life was telling you. This is how you came to be. The knowing of our original source, still present in each cell, is soon overlaid with the mechanics of being and the logic of material life. We often forget that we're all connected, and bit by bit we see ourselves as separate, not only in space and time, but in being and spirit. We can then feel alienated from the shared source of all life and assume we have to fend for ourselves. In enters fear and the need for power to feel in control. In enters comparisons and competitiveness, marking of territories and systems of security. In enters distrust and denial, distortions and defensiveness, all in an attempt to feel good and whole, something we were when we were born, something we do not need to make, something we need to recognize. You are unique. You are worthy. You are conscious being. You are embodied life intermingled with all life. 
When we come to that recognition, when we allow the awareness that our breath is in exchange with trees and connected to the majesty of wind, when we open to the understanding that the pulsing of our blood parallels the flow of rivers and streams, when we come to know the truth of our interdependence and so our belonging in all life, our responsibility to all life, Then we come to realize that the wisdom of well-being for all life is in each of our cells and all around us in the messages of nature and intuition. When we allow the feeling of interconnectedness, we are helped out of our loneliness, gentled away from our confusions, lifted from our fear, and guided into our joy. It takes humility and courage It takes gratitude and acceptance. You are not alone. You belong. You are all there ever was and ever will be in a momentary dance of life. May you feel the rapture of being, for in the beginning, you were meant to be. (laughs) 